0: This is Rocks to Roots, a podcast presented by the Spokane Conservation District. This podcast series is intended to share education and resources related to land management, conservation practices, and celebrate some of the great stewards of our land here in our region. Hi, and thanks for listening to Rocks to Roots conservation conversations from the backyard to the back 40 presented by the Spokane Conservation District. I am Hillary, your host, and we are back for season two. We are here to have conversations to help increase the awareness of the Spokane Conservation District's work and voluntary conservation in our region. In addition, we want to share practical ways that we as consumers can eat well and regenerate the planet by supporting producers here in our area. So this is the first episode of our second season, and I'd love to hear your feedback in the reviews section. Rocks to Roots is available on all major podcast platforms and on our website, rockstoroots.org. Today, we are joined by SCD Forester and leader of our annual tree sale, Ben Peterson. Hi, Ben.
1: Hi, how you doing?
0: I'm doing really good. So on this episode i'm excited because we are talking all things tree sale which you are definitely an expert on and i have a little bit of some leadership in the background myself so our tagline probably couldn't be any more perfect for this from the backyard to the back 40 because we literally are gonna cover it all when it comes to trees and shrubs in this episode so let's go ahead and we will dive right in so This is the 51st year of the tree sale, right? I'm correct?
1: I believe so. So we, um, I believe the first tree sale was in 1970 um, uh, at a different location. And I'm not sure exactly. I believe maybe it was somewhere near here. Um, But we have been at this location since 1984. um, Right here on Havana. Right here at 210 Havana. Um, I've been doing the tree sale since 99 um and this will be our last year at this location so our Super our new uh, location will be on 8th street right near Carnahan Hill i believe it is what is it 4222 mhm eight uh, not sure of that the yeah, north south uh, i believe it's 8th 8th just 8th yeah, okay eighth Ave. yeah so We'll be there next year, but yeah, we've, we've been doing tree sale for quite a, quite a mini quite a long time. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And so you said your first one was.
1: Yeah. My first introduction to the tree sale and I was just uh, a packer at the time, you know, kind of helping out. And that was in 99.
0: And what was your first like Um, experience or how was that like?
1: (laughs) You know, I was really into it. I was um, taking, uh, learning dendrology at, at, College, and so I was kind of you know, I was really um, interested in learning all the Latin names and IDing and IDing the different plants. And then, sorry, um, I have
0: to ask you, what was that called again? Dendrology. Dendrology, Uh, and what is that? (laughs) Um, it's I haven't heard of that one before.
1: It's um, this it's basically the study of uh trees and shrubs. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that might be kind of a layman's term for it, but yeah, okay, yeah. We um, you, you learned how to ID plants. Wow, and primarily natives in our, our area, so okay. it was an it was a neat course, um, and then so the first you know few days was packing and it was a lot of work, but it was fun, and then it got crazy when the public came in, and I just realized you know <laughs> how fun but how crazy it was. So, um, but I've we've been doing it for years. It's gotten a lot bigger, and I've really enjoyed doing it. So I enjoy it every year. It's actually one of the highlights uh, for me working here.
0: So that first year, about how big, or do you know approximately, maybe how many species they had back that year?
1: So when it first started, they primarily, or we primarily did um, all native species, and then our reforestation species, which are your ponderosa pine, Douglas fir, and western larch, grand fir, um, and red cedar, or western red cedar. Um, so it was, yeah, primarily our reforestation, our natives. And then as it kind of evolved, um, we started adding ornamentals and then more recently in the last five, six years, we've tried to start adding some edibles as well, whether they're ornamental edibles or, um, you know, native edibles, just edibles of some kind. And for instance, this year we have a mountain huckleberry, um, we have the Steuben uh, seeded grape and canby raspberries. So,
0: yes, super those, excited then, for those. Yeah,
1: we've had things like hazelnuts and um, English walnut, things like that in the past. So, yeah, we're trying to get more and more edibles every year. Um, and it was probably, you know, a big year back then in '99 was probably like about 450 orders. Um, you and I last year did a thousand, so it's grown quite a bit.
0: It was our big Um, year last year.
1: And that doesn't even include, you know, that's just orders normally, normal years, um, the last two have been a little bit different, but normal years we have the surplus cell too. So that's a big part of it. And we hope to get back to that in the future.
0: So this year we have 39 different species, correct? Yeah. Yeah and we separate them into different categories. And I want you just to kind of explain those categories. Okay,
1: yeah, so um, we have our, uh, the first category is our native uh, trees and shrubs. So these are primarily all the um, deciduous natives, trees and shrubs. So things like your quaking aspen, which would be a tree obviously, and then maybe woods rose as a shrub. Um, We do, and then our, our second category um, and that native is our reforestation. And that's kind of what I mentioned earlier where we, the dug fir, pine and larch and, and, um, grand fir. we don't do cedar anymore. Um, occasionally I'll, I'll get it, but, uh, we just didn't have a lot of interest in it. We didn't, um, hmm. the people that wanted it really wanted it, but there just wasn't enough of them <laughs> to, to continue on with that. So. And plus, they're, um, the deer love them and it's their deer oh. candy, so <laughs> they're hard to keep the deer from eating them. Um, so yeah, that, the native trees and shrubs and then our reforestation would be the first two categories. And then um, we'd have our conifer trees. And so this would be stuff um, species like uh, Western White Pine, which is also a native. You don't see it much around these days or um, at lower elevations anyway. But uh, it's a it's a, a native conifer, um, Fraser fir, um, concolor fir, Colorado blue spruce. So those last three are not native to our area, but they do really well, and you'd almost consider Colorado blue spruce to be like a naturalized tree that it, it does so well here. Hmm. Um, Fraser fir also great Christmas tree. If anybody's interested oh. in starting a Christmas tree farm, <laughs> um, and then our I guess our biggest category would be the um, ornamental trees and shrubs, and so this is going to be. These are all going to be plants that primarily you're you're going to plant around your your house, your landscape, um, in the yard, where it's going to you're going to have easy access to irrigate. Um, You know, our natives are fairly drought tolerant, but um, these ornamentals, some of them will make it on, what just Mother Nature presents provides um, around here. I think it's about 18 inches pre annually, um, but uh, most of these are going to need some supplemental watering. Um, so that's our, there, and it's a pretty good list. We do have a, uh, the one I mentioned earlier, the canby raspberry there, in there, and some other good ones I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, and then our, our last category is what we call our featured species, and this is usually either something really cool or it's an edible. Um, and so what I thought was really cool this year because we've never had them is the mountain huckleberry. Um, and, and I know a lot of people are excited about these and maybe we'll talk a little bit more about them in a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, so we have two, the the mountain huckleberry and the steuben seeded grape in our featured species. So that's kind of our, our lineup.
0: That's awesome. And so I'm kind of curious as to what kind of your thought process is because they we change up the species every year at least we try to get a few different ones in there um, each year so what kind of is your thought process as you go through picking some of the species
1: well a lot of it comes down to just availability I I work with about five or six different um, regional vendors nurseries Um, and so some of it's just availability but we also you know there's a we have old standbys that we have almost every year, like like the Colorado Blue or the um, Siberian Pea shrub, Karagana. Um And then I will take, I take input from customers and people um, all the time, so I, I make a list. Usually it's right after tree sale, I'll get some suggestions on what we should have next year and I make a list and try to find those. And sometimes they're, they can be fairly exotic and it's, you know, or it's just not they're not going to grow good in our area because of our mm. our, our zone. But um, I try to make sure everything we pick is um, zone, you know, five or or less, so it'll do good with our cold winters. And um, try to have a good grouping of natives. And then after that, it's just kind of um, trying to find yeah, trying to find trees that'll do that'll do good for people and will provide an in environmental benefit in some way um, for example like a utility compatible tree or shade tree or a tree species that is great for erosion control or um, you know there's a whole list of different uh, environmental services trees provide so we try to try to pick trees that are going to do that in some way an edible is somewhat of an environmental <laughs> service but yep. that, that kind of might be where it breaks away a little bit but Um, but yeah, that's kind of how my, my thought process when I'm picking trees.
0: Very cool. Yeah. And if you, um, check out our website, which is where you can primarily order all of these, um, trees and shrubs this year, starting February 1st pre-order period is from February 1st to March 2nd or March, excuse me, March 12th this year. Um, but if you go on there, um, you've also done a really great job of, um, adding all of these different plant care keys, which tell like how much sun the plant needs, how much water they need, if they attract animals like birds and bees and stuff. So um, it's really cool, really nice to have those keys there to help make those some of those decisions. So I want to know what are what are just some of the standout species this year that we can talk about some of the highlights well the,
1: the first try. one um, I kind of mentioned earlier was it's the mountain huckleberry so that's one we we, we haven't had um, ever that I can remember um, mm. I think they've been hard for harder to propagate in, in a nursery setting and that's one reason why um, we, we the vendor we got those from is the U- University of Idaho that Pitkin nursery so they're um, providing those for us and uh, They should do pretty good. Um, People have a lot of questions about them. They're not going to be like a blueberry. Um, They're not full sun. They like part sun, part shade. So you can imagine usually when you're up in the mountains or hiking, you'll see huckleberries kind of growing in openings right on the edge of the tree line. And so they're going to have, you know, part shade from those trees, but they're also, you know, have an opening on the other side. So, um, so part, part shade um, with those. And they're a little slower to produce than like a, um, a blueberry that we've had in the past. So if you do purchase those, don't expect that you'll be getting huckleberries this year. Probably not even next year. It's going to take a few years before them to to really get established, get their roots set, and and start producing huckleberries for you.
0: Oh, well, that's good to know. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Cool. Um, so that's one really cool one. Um, another one, you know, it's an old standby here that we've had forever. It's um, called carragana. It's also another name for it, Siberian pea shrub, um, tough as nails. Um, there's a couple funny stories we have around here about (laughs) carragana surviving, uh, you know, some really horrible pruning and, um, you know, some other, other things. Um, but yeah, it's a really tough plant. A lot of the farmers out on the Palouse will use carragana for windrows and snow breaks Mm. along their fields. Um, and it just it grows really fast. Um, produces It's in the it's a legume, so it produces a little pea pod. And those po- those pods will start to pop, and they kind of almost sound like popping corn when they pop. They kind of twist and pop, and they drop seed. And so the you know game birds like quail and pheasant um, and lots of wildlife will come and gather underneath them.
0: Oh, interesting. And, um,
1: um, yeah, enjoy eating them. So. Yeah, it's a it's a good hardy plant. Um, if somebody comes to me and says I, I just can't get anything to grow or I've got a really tough site, that's the one I recommend. So <laughs> it's, it's a it's a really hardy plant. Um, another one that um, we have on the list this year, and this this you know with the weather we've had recently, this one might be. Um, something to think about or consider is the Japanese tree lilac. So this is a beautiful tree. It's, it's a lilac, but it's in a tree form. Um, it doesn't get real tall, about 20, 30 feet. So, you know, something good to plant around the house or, or um, near utilities. And, you know, if we ever, hopefully we don't have another horrible windstorm like we just went through, but mm. if we do, this would be a good tree. Um, to have close to a house or a building structure or power or near power lines. Oh, okay. Mm. So we consider it utility compatible and it's beautiful, beautiful white, Mm -hmm. huge white flowers in the springtime. Mm.
0: That one is definitely on my list. Yeah. It's a a neat tree and
1: it's, and it's, um, really hardy similar. It's a syringa. So, you know, similar to the purple, common purple that we have around here. And so everybody knows those are a tough plant too, as well. So. Yeah. Real hardy.
0: Um, and we have the common purple lilac too this yeah.
1: year. Yeah, we do. We do. Yay. Yeah. Um, we're the lilac city, so I, <laughs> I, I try to keep putting that one on there. Um, it is, you know, so I've gotten a few calls recently about this one being, um, considered a native plant. And so I don't know where that got out there, but it mm. purple lilac is actually native to the Balkans, like Southern, so Southeastern Europe. Um, but it has been around and it's so prevalent around Spokane and it's where the lilac city that you could almost consider it to be a naturalized, um, plant in this area. And I always kind of smile, especially when I'm driving out maybe on the Palouse or out in, you know, more rural areas and I'll see an old abandoned farmhouse or even a, the house isn't even there anymore. But the lilacs will still be there and they'll look as good as ever, you know, so um, uh, it's a tough plant and they're they're gorgeous and I think they smell great. Some people have allergies to them. (laughs) Oh, gosh,
0: how could you hate the smell? Yeah, so so that's
1: a neat one. We have that one as well. So we have two two lilacs this year.
0: I'm curious about the Common Purple Lilac. How quickly, because that's more of like a shrub, right? It is,
1: it's a multi-stem shrub, yep.
0: How quickly do those kind of maybe get to full maturity?
1: Um, You'll start, you'll probably get something, you know, um, from a seedling size to about, you know, there's some variables. It depends on how much water it's getting, how much sun, what, what the soil is like. But, um, you know, I would, I would say in four to five years, you should have okay. four or five feet height. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, you know, there's some variables, like I said, but it's a, it is a um, very tough plant. You know, one of the, I think I was talking to one of the master gardeners um, a few years ago, and she was telling me that um, the best thing you can do for a lilac is just neglect it.
0: Oh, really? The, better, the, the more you well, just
1: leave it alone and don't do anything to it, the better they look. Well, so, then that is
0: the plant for me. <laughs> uh,
1: and one neat thing about lilacs, the, the common purple anyway, is um, say they grow and they start getting kind of gangly and and not looking very good or whatever, not growing where you want them to, you can do a um, what we call a rejuvenation cut, where you basically cut everything down to ground level. Um and that plant will come right back the next year. Oh, wow. And, um, it's gonna still maintain its full root system and so you'll get brand new growth and it'll look pretty good. Hmm. A lot fuller than it was before. They, they tend to, they can tend to over time kind of get a uh, little gangly and sparse, the really, really old ones. But, and so rejuvenation cut is awesome. uh, helpful
0: with those. Well, Adding that to my list.
1: Um, and then a couple more I can, kind of, I mean, I could talk for days on <laughs> all these trees, um, but a couple more I'd like to mention kind of is the London plane tree. So this is, um, looks just like a sycamore, if, if you know what a sycamore mm-hmm. looks like. And what, what a London plane tree is, is, is a cross between a Asian plane tree and a sycamore. Um, and it looks just like a sycamore um there you find them a lot up on the south hill um and they're they're the trees that have the huge trunks and kind of patchy almost camouflage looking bark and they a lot of times they'll have big gnarly burls in them or galls, um and uh, just a, a beautiful tree good shade tree the a leaf they have a three to five lobed leaf similar to like a maple tree um and um yeah they uh it's a neat tree so I think whenever I'm driving around whenever you see one it just you're like oh okay it it really stands out because the trunk and the bark are so unique Um, and it's a hardy tree and grows fairly fast too um and then the last one that I was going to talk about today was the the purple smoke bush Um, these ones
0: are super pretty
1: yeah so these are this is a beautiful shrub multi-stem shrub um the leaves, the flowers, everything is purple all year round, um, and they um, are fairly hardy, and they can be used, um, you know, as a specimen tree, kind of isolated by itself. But they also make a great hedge, or maybe a backdrop for your your flower garden or some greenery in front of them. So they're, they they add some good color contrast um, in your landscape. So yeah, really, really. Uh, unique looking plant and then they they flower and that's where they get the name it, the flower kind of almost looks like um purple smoke it's mm-hmm. really delicate and um dense but delicate i don't know how to explain it exactly but <laughs> um, once you see one you're just they're they're neat unique looking uh, shrub so yeah so those are the ones i kind of Kind of made my list for today. Um, nice. And the list lo- goes on and on. Yeah, on and on. <laughs> um, you know the, I guess maybe one more that is always really popular, um, and we're getting low on it already is the western larch, our native, one of our native mm-hmm. um, deciduous conifers. And um, every year, western larch people love western larch. Um, beautiful in the fall. Um, it's a great tree for a lot of different reasons. So. Um, we usually tend to sell out of that one before the, sometimes, you know, I do contract tree cells for reforestation, and a lot of times we'll sell down to the, just a few left um, for tree cell. So I think I have about, going into tree cell I have about 800. So if you want Western Larch, uh, get in early and put your order in.
0: Yeah, yeah, and definitely ad- we're advising this year too to just make sure and um, order online and order quickly because we do have, like you just mentioned, these standout species and especially those huckleberries. People are coming for them and quite a few other species so the best way is to really just hop online go to sccd.org and there you'll be able to navigate to our online store then you'll be able to go ahead and view all of the different species and select the quantities you want and that's a good point too let's talk about how the pricing and the quantities so we sell majority of the species five seedlings for ten dollars Correct. Correct. Okay. Yep. yep.
1: And that um, that would probably be about, I would say, eighty five percent. Well, yeah, eighty five percent of our species that we sell fall in that that um, pricing cat, uh, arrangement. Mm-hmm. Um, for the reforestation trees, the the conifers, um, they're going to be a little bit different. So, if you're ordering less than fifty, it'll still be that five for um, two dollars or five for ten, mm-hmm. two dollars each. Um, But as you buy more, and we have those all, let me back up a little bit. So we have those those reforestation conifers in two different sizes, what we call an 8 cubic inch plug and then a plug one. And so kind of to briefly explain it, an 8 cubic inch is we collect the seed over here in, in the Spokane area, Spokane County area and we send the seed over and it's ger- to the west side and it's germinated and grown out in a greenhouse for one year and then sent back to us as an eight cubic inch plug. Um, the plug one, on the other hand, is taken from that greenhouse, planted out into a field for an additional year and then sent over for, so it's a two year old. Um, and it's quite a bit bigger. Um, probably they range, depending on the species, but anywhere from about 24 inches or, or more um, and whereas the, the eight inch is usually about, um, height-wise from the bottom of the root to the top is probably 12, 12 to 18
0: inches. So, um, quite a bit different in size. Um, and those are only, the plug ones are only available in the reforestation, correct? Yes. Both, okay. both
1: the eight inch an- and the plug one will only be are only available in the reforestation. But um, as soon as the tree cell opens, those will all be available to anybody. Okay. Um, as long as, you know, until quantities last. Um, and I guess the other thing I'd mention about those, so a lot of times when folks are doing reforestation, they're they're planting large numbers. And so 8-inch, 8-cubic-inch um, eight, eight plugs are a lot easier to plant. You can get, get a lot, you know, if you're planting thousands of trees, you and your soil's hard to dig in, or you're hoofing it across the side of a mountain. Um, you want you want it to be as easy as possible, um, or you know less labor anyway. And so that's that's what I would recommend. Now, if you're only buying say 25 or whatever, I might I might recommend the plug ones because it's a bigger bigger tree, but a lot more labor intensive to plant. You're gonna actually dig a big you know a true hole like you plant a a normal tree. Um, and the eight-inch are kind of. I don't know if you've, if you've ever seen a Forest Service or DNR people plant, and they they kind of have a quick method of with a, a hodad or, um, uh, yeah, basically a hodad. It's kind of like a tree tree spade, and they can plant you know hundreds really quick. But they oh, have to awesome. be those smaller ones. So, um, so yeah, so that's that category, and then. The other pricing schedule, I guess, is our featured species. Those are a little bit more expensive, um, and we sell those three for $15, yeah.
0: Awesome, yeah. and so, um, okay, so just to be clear, so majority of them are five, Seedlings for ten dollars, yep. and then our featured species are going to be three seedlings for fifteen. And when we say seedlings, about majority of the trees sizes when people come to pick them up are what would you say roughly?
1: Um, they're roughly about twelve to twenty-four inches. Okay. Um,
0: so people don't need to prepare for packing. No, big full don't trees you don't need. Yeah, if you
1: order a hundred <laughs> trees, you don't need to bring a trailer. They'll fit in your <laughs> trunk or in the back of the pickup. Um, I will say that with a little bit of a caveat. Um, the Sometimes I order, and I order for, say, 12 to 18-inch size, and they will actually come in three, four feet tall. And I don't know why that happens some years, but um, it usually the customers happy with that. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit more work packing on our end, but it does happen. And then very rarely, occasionally, we'll, we'll, I'll order for that. You know that 12 to 24 inch size and they will come in smaller but that's pretty rare um, there are a couple things that we sell like canick and which is a ground cover um, which is you know obviously it's just gonna be a few inches tall but it'll be in a pot and that's you know that's its habit its form that it grows so um, primarily everything we sell is bare root um, a few things kind of break that rule the the um, Conifers, the reforestation's are going to be those plug plugs. So there's a soil plug. It's it's not in a container, but it's kind of the roots are kind of um, encapsulated in the soil mm-hmm. plug versus just bare roots hanging out. And then like the Kanekanik I just mentioned will be in a little pot, a little three inch pot. And um, I believe everything else this year will be bare root. So um, and that's you know with bare root um, when you guys we do dip them in a, uh, it's called pterosaur, but it's kind of a a um, wetting agent, a polymer that holds moisture on the roots. And then we bag them and that keeps them moist until you get them home. But with bare root, you do want to get it home and get it planted in the ground as soon as possible. Because okay. um, they, they, as soon as those roots start to dry out, you'll lose the roots. And the drier they, you know, eventually the plant won't even survive. So... Getting them planted as quick as possible with bare root is pretty important. Okay. Yeah.
0: And what if um, the landowner can't exactly plant them immediately? Like, say, the ground is frozen or there's other
1: So in that scenario, um, yeah, you would just want to keep them in a, a cool, dark place. So okay. um, we, we hold them in um, just above freezing at about 34, 35 degrees. Okay. Um, that keeps them dormant. So, you know, uh, 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 know, hardly anybody has root cellars anymore, but, um, you know, a root cellar, a cold garage, um, you know, somewhere cool. And then keeping them dark is also going going to um, prevent them from starting to bud and and grow. So keeping them cool and dark. um, You don't need to hydrate them because they do have that wetting, um, that polymer on them, on the roots. but. Sometimes, you know, if, if they are looking a little dry, soaking them in like a five gallon bucket for, you know, six, seven, eight hours, or maybe even overnight, you plant them the next morning isn't a bad idea, but don't leave them in there too long because after about 24 hours, those roots will start to rot and decay. Hmm. And so you want to definitely, um, you know, maybe a quick soak to kind of let them hydrate a little bit and then get them planted. So, yeah.
0: Good information to know. Yep. So, um... So we got plenty of trees and shrubs up for sale this year. Do we have any other items that were yeah, sold as
1: well along with the tree sale? We do. So um, last year, I think was maybe the first year, we kind of went outside the box a little bit and tried to sell a few tree-related products, and we're doing it again this year. Um, so what we have this year are um, tree tubes, Um and this, what tree tubes are, if you don't already know, it's it's basically a um, it's kind of a plastic mesh tube that you put around the seedling and it prevents the deer from coming in and mm. eating primarily the top leader, the, the central growing leader on the plant. You're trying to protect protect that until that tree matures a little bit more and fills out. Um, the ones we have are a mesh tube. Um which works great for deciduous and conifers. Um, They also sell, uh, we're not selling them, but other places will sell a solid tube, which are great for deciduous, but tend to kind of cook the conifers in the summertime. They don't get enough airflow through them. So um, yeah, we'll have lots of those. I think ours are 24 inch. So, um, and they come with a bamboo stake to put them in the ground and then you just, you plant your tree um, dig your hole plant your tree and then you just kind of slide that tree tube over the top and then anchor it with your with your bamboo stake and um, that'll keep the deer off them for at least a few years um, and hopefully by the time they start to grow out of those or you remove that tube, the tree will um, be able to survive some deer browse deer tend to browse they don't like sit at a, a seedling and munch it all the way down to nothing. they'll kind of nip a branch and then move on to something else and so you're just the main thing you're trying to protect is that central leader because if they get that then you end up which with a bush basically oh. that tree is gonna grow it's gonna really stunt the growth and um it won't kill it but it'll oh,
0: okay. definitely
1: stunt the growth so i'm um, hmm. trying to protect that central leader and then um another product we have is called uh it's kind of a silly name, but um, it's called a tree diaper. Um, and what this is, is a, it kind of looks like an inner tube. I don't know if anybody uses inner, or we don't use inner tubes anymore, but it's kind of like an inner tube. its um, It's got the same material that would be in a diaper. And what it does, you water, you put it around the tree at the base, around the root zone, and you, you water it in, and it, it'll um, soak in that water and fill fill up and then slowly release that water back to the tree over time. And then anytime it rains or there's moisture, it'll re rehydrate and then release slowly. And so super cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's kind of a, especially if you you're in kind of a a droughty area or you're not able to water, especially in the hottest part of the summer, um, it's a great tool. Um, we don't have a lot of them this year, um, but we'll see if they're, if they are popular and there's other places, um you can get them too but we do have some of those and then the last one we have is called repelix and it's a an animal repellent works both for deer and for rodents um, it's a little tablet that you, you throw in the hole as you're planting the tree and it systemically soaks up into the the plant's tissue um, the main ingredient is capsaicin hmm. so um, basically what it does is you know, just like eating a hot pepper, I guess. Um, mm. They munch on that. They don't like the taste of it, and then they'll leave it alone. Definitely not something you'd want to plant in your garden or next to your apple, <laughs> your apple tree, unless you like like spicy apples. Or but with that, your huckleberry, right? Sorry. Right? Yeah. Anything that you're gonna eat. Um, but it work. They work. It, um, one tablet works for about a growing season, and then you can come back later. Um, you know, poke a hole next to the root zone and throw another one in for the following following year it does take a couple of weeks for that plant for that tablet to dissolve and soak up into the tree so the deer are sitting there watching you as you plant <laughs> um they come in that night you know it's not going to work but um yeah so that that's uh and they work great on um pocket gophers and, and mice too a lot of people oh, especially okay. that are planting and uh, maybe they're trained to restore pasture or Um, kind of a grassy or weedy area that hasn't had trees for a long time. There's a lot of rodents in those areas. And um, so, you know, that might be a good idea in that scenario.
0: Awesome. To to use the repellents. Yeah. Sweet. So some good tools for helping with watering and also to keep those animals from snacking. Yep. Yep, (laughs)
1: definitely. (laughs) Love it. So if I put this in like an apple tree, it would make my apples spicy it would <laughs> like it really would it really would yeah so there's some other ingredients too um is it ho- is it, can you eat it like can, is it's it it's not going to po- i don't it, believe it's going to poison you okay. yeah um but it's just going to make it taste really awful and foul oh and it's going to make it taste bad yeah there's um, okay cuz I'm, really, I'm like i'm thinking like i want to put this on apple in my apple tree so i can have spicy apples no, i love spicy apples there's apple. some okay, o- there's some other ingredients in there <laughs> that you, yeah <laughs> but, <laughs> that's, that's funny brendan's going to create i mean you could try and it it might be a new thing i don't know like like i'm thinking like like getting like spicy huckleberries like that yes. sounds like a whole new like something i could sell
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, brendan's gonna have a whole garden of spicy vegetables <laughs> we're gonna try them and be like what in the world <laughs> oh awesome so we got some questions in from some uh tree cell customers that we'll kind of just go over um and where did i put them on the back of this page, so well um, this one kind of goes with what we were just talking about. But this question came in and it says, "I'm thinking of planting red raspberries, huckleberries, black raspberries, all in one row. My hope being that the thorny raspberry plants will deter the deer from eating the huckleberries. What do you think?" Um, it
1: might work, you dear. I think um, I. I think they would you know deer are they'll always eat what's easiest Mm. um but if it's a long winter or they're you know they're not finding the food source around that they will probably find a way to get to um whatever plant um regardless of thorns they have pretty their their lips their mouths are pretty you know almost like fingers and Mm. and so they can kind of get around those thorns um now, if you were to try to maybe make a hedge row with, like, the, a thorny raspberry or blackberry around something, that might work. That might keep them from getting in to, um, you know, you'd have to have some sort of a, an entrance for you to get in, uh, you know, a gate or something. But um, they're great jumpers too. So, you mm-hmm. know, six, seven-foot high fence to keep deer out. Um, but I don't think – I just – and they might, what might happen is over time they might just eat the, the thorny plants and then eventually, you know, get to the huckleberries. Get to the other ones. Yeah. So I don't, I think long-term, I don't think that's a great strategy. Okay. Um, deer are tough to deal with. Um, there's, there's a lot of different things out there, um, you know, like motion detector sprinklers and some of the things we mentioned today, um, but it, they, they can be tricky especially if you have a lot of them in your neighborhood or wherever you're planting. So,
0: yeah. Okay. Uh, the next question is I'm looking to create a pollinator belt in my yard. What are your top recommendations?
1: Um, I guess probably for this year, anyhow would be my three, I guess three top would be mock orange, um, and sir- those are beautiful too. yep, really fragrant um, service berry, um, golden currant those three are all natives and they're all really fragrant flowers and I uh, I know the bees and the pollinators love of all of those.
0: Yay, shower pollinators uh, some
1: love so and and the currant and the um, service berry are are edible as well so they make for. Um, I, I eat the golden currants. We have some here right at the office and when they're in season, I'll just pick them on the way in and get a handful <laughs> and yeah, they're pretty tasty. Um, and the service berry, they aren't bad. You have to kind of get them right when they're at their peak of ripeness and they're pretty good too. Um, but yeah, those are all three of those are really good pollinating plants for, for yeah. pollinators.
0: Nice. Um. All right. So next question: When is the best time to plant my trees? Um.
1: I guess as soon as you as soon as you, the ground's thawed and you can you know these trees are all dormant, um, so you don't have to worry about they're coming from a cold environment. You don't have to worry about like a late spring frost with these trees or shrubs. Um, and so as soon as you can get them in the ground, as soon as the ground thaws, is the best time to do it. Um, some people will pot, take our, our seedlings and they'll pot them up and kind of nurse them and give them some TLC over the summer, water them in, and then they'll wait for the fall rains to start and then they'll, they'll take them out of the pots and plant them or even wait till the following spring, um, overwinter them in a sheltered area and then mm-hmm. the following spring plant them out. That's one strategy that you can use, but, um if you don't want to do that, the best thing is just as soon as you get them and you can dig, get them in the ground.
0: Yep. Awesome. And I guess this is a good time to mention too that. So the pre-order period for the tree sale this year is February 1st to March 12th. And then pickup is the week of April 12th. So, um, customers can expect to have their trees that week of the 12th in April. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, planting will be hopefully well underway. We're yeah. not quite sure what the ground will be like then. Cause yeah, I think. I'm not sure, but.
1: Over the last, I don't know, many, many years that I can remember, we've only had one really late spring where it was still pretty frozen and mm-hmm. snowy. Um, so, that's usually not the case. Um, but, you know, it does happen. Um, so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and we, it, like you just mentioned, we're we're having it a little bit later than usual, so that'll help too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're about a week week and a half later than we normally are.
0: Um, okay. So yeah. Um, next question for you is: What is the best advice you have for caring for the plants just right after planting them?
1: Um. So your your best, you know, you, you want to water them in when you plant. Um, that's really important. That's going to get rid of any air pockets as you backfill with the soil. It's going to hydrate the roots um, and just give them give them a nice drink to get started. Um, even if you know we we've put down that they're a drought tolerant species, almost all all these species that we sell really need to be watered at least the first year and even better if you can water them pretty good the first couple years before you just kind of let mother nature take over because um, that's going to help them the first couple years are because it's transplanted they're really trying to reestablish roots and so they put a lot of energy into that and keeping that soil moist really helps with that and then once they get a good root establishment their roots going and well established then they'll put a lot more energy into growth um and or and be able to survive drought a little bit better, um, so you know that's the that's the best thing is just um, keeping them well watered the best you can. I know not everybody is going to be able to reach a hose or get water to them you know on a regular basis, but whatever whatever you can do so, you know mulch rings um, with wood chips um, nothing fancy just good old like arborist wood chips um, doing a, a small mulch ring around the the root zone area will help tremendously with um, retaining moisture and they also it also helps with kind of keeping weeds at bay at least that year and as that kind of breaks down that mulch breaks down it'll add nutrients um, back to the soil so that'll be beneficial in the long run too so um, that's if you can't You know if they're not in your irrigation system or you're you're not able to water regularly I would highly recommend using a mulch ring around your where you plant your trees.
0: Okay, And so this question is actually kind of for me. So I am trying to build a little bit of like a wall, um, kind of a fence line in my yard. And my yard gets a ton of sun. We did just install a sprinkler system, so I think we'll be pretty good on the watering. But what would kind of be your top recommendations for um, something that could create maybe like a barrier or a wall type of...
1: Um, so if you're looking for like a, like a privacy screen, mm-hmm. um, you generally want to go with a conifer, an evergreen, because it's going to give you that privacy year-round. And then you're going to want to also pick a conifer that grows, its, keeps its limbs all the way to the ground. Um, you know, like ponderosa pine, they tend to self-prune as they get older. They lose their lower branches. And, and so, you know, if you're trying to create a screen, that's you're going to have some openings there. So, um, some of the species I might recommend for this, Colorado blue spruce, Concolor fir, um, Austrian pine, all three of those hold hold their uh, branches low, and they're evergreens. Um, we don't have Rocky Mountain juniper this year, but that's another one that works really well. Um, you know, a lot of people you'll see use arborvitae, but... Um, deer love Arborvitae, so Uh, you drive around town and you'll see all the Arborvitae are like pruned up four feet or as high as the deer can reach, Um, so that can be an issue. Um, But uh, yeah, and then there are some deciduous, you know, like the Japanese tree lilac would be a great one, or even the common lilac. Um, They make great screens too, if you're not as concerned, you know, not as, in the wintertime it's not as big of a deal because nobody's outside as much and they're backyard so privacy isn't quite as as big of a deal so if you're okay with that then um yeah there's several the purple smoke tree that we talked about earlier the caragana um that common purple lilac there's several that would make good privacy screens um that are deciduous species
0: awesome yeah very cool. Well, thanks for answering those questions, Ben. And of course, um, if any of our tree cell customers have any questions, they're more than welcome to reach out to you. Um, oh, yeah. Anytime.
1: Anytime. Through
0: email, um, ben-peterson at sccd.org, or you can find his contact information on our website, sccd.org. Um, awesome. Well, it's an exciting time. I know this is like what the biggest sale that the Spokane conservation district has annually. Um, so why should customers really buy from this tree sale? What makes it so special?
1: Well, um, you know, the tree sale is, is, is kind of, it's one of the, one of the things I think is really cool about it is we provide low cost plants, mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our natives, and but ornamentals as well. Um, and I kind of mentioned it earlier, but we also try to pick species that are going to have some sort of an environmental benefit. Um, and I named off a few of those earlier. But mm-hmm. um, so it's, you know, and planting trees and <laughs> it's the right thing to do. You know, we need to, they do a lot of good things for us. Um, I know sometimes after these windstorms, we kind of, you know don't like trees as much, but they're still their their benefits way outweigh their the negatives with them. And so, and just a little bit more thought about the right tree in the right place um, can go a long way too. but um trees are trees are awesome,
0: awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for taking the time. I know you're busy preparing and getting everything ready for the sale. Um, like we mentioned, pre-order period is February first through March twelfth. And then pickup will be the week of April 12th by appointment only. And you heard it. Whether you're looking for something to add to your backyard or something for reforestation or maybe something new for your garden, the SCD tree sale has you covered. And make sure you get online and order early because some species will sell out. So head over to sccd.org and look for tree sale and place your order today. Rocks to Roots is sponsored by the Office of Farmland Preservation. Office of Farmland Preservation is a program within the Washington State Conservation Commission that works to address the rapid loss of working farm and forest lands in our state. Together, the Washington State Conservation Commission and conservation districts provide voluntary, incentive-based programs that empower private landowners to implement conservation on their property. You can learn more about their programs and services by visiting their website, scc.wa.gov.